kind of crazy that it doesn't take faith to believe something that God says about you that is already true. So if he says you're a happy person or a joyful person rather, like the Bible tells us to be, it says rejoice in the Lord always. That is the nature of Christ. And if we are as Christ is, according to Galatians 2.20 and 1 John 4.17, then we are therefore joyful people. So if God says you are joyful, but even before you met him, you were always the most joyful person in any room, then it doesn't take faith to believe that what he has said about you is true, right? In order for you to grab onto it and, and believe it. But it does take faith to believe that what he has said about you that you aren't seeing in your life is true. Uh, if you're someone who gets frustrated at every little thing, that he says that love is patient and love is kind and that you are made in the image of love, that you are, you are love personified, uh, but you aren't seeing it. It takes faith to agree with what God has said about you. And it's in the agreeing that the truth will be called forth to the surface. But the somewhat contradictory and I guess ironic thing about that is and I guess it's very encouraging as well, is in order to lay hold of the promises of God about your nature, you first have to, by definition, not be walking in, a, in accordance with that word. Because if you were already walking in accordance with what he says you are, it wouldn't require faith to believe what he says you are and, and lay hold of it, right? He says that the kingdom of heaven isn't for you know these long lists of people in first uh, first corinthians 6 and galatians 5 gives long lists of people you know the adulterers the fornicators uh the i don't know quarrelers all that kind of stuff and it's just talking about people whose identities aren't rooted in that of christ but as paul writes in first corinthians 6 he writes this long list of people to whom the kingdom of heaven doesn't belong and then immediately after, he says, such were some of you. And he is writing to a people who actually were very much still fulfilling the criteria of being those people. But in writing, he says, such were some of you. Because there is a point where you are technically not walking in accordance with the word of God. But you have to, by faith, accept what he says about you anyway. There has to be that so-called gray area where you are technically being disobedient, but God has called you to hire and he's not calling you a sinner. He's saying you are righteous. You are patient because you are the manifestation of patience in this world by my spirit. And he says that about you the second after you just shouted at some old lady for being too slow to do a U-turn at the traffic light or whatever the instance might be. Or... I guess the, the common one is he says you are pure the moment you look at porn, you know? That's like an extremely kind of common uh, issue, especially with the, uh, the youth of the church, right? But the mindset of condemnation and defeat comes in when we realize the standard to which God has called us, and yet we don't see it lining up with our own lives. And so we conclude, oh, God mustn't be pleased with me because I'm not living according to this standard. Yet, 
if you were living to that standard before you had encountered God, then what would have been the need for Jesus to shed his blood? And I'm not saying that he shed his blood for us to get away with sin. I don't mean that. What I mean is he shed his blood to be able to redeem those who come to him, to be able to not live in the ways that they were living informally uh, prior to coming to him. So if we have to live in accordance with his word before we even come to his blood, then what was the point of the blood? The blood is so that we can come to him and be redeemed. And that we can come to him and believe what he has said about us is true. Because he shed his blood, we are a pure people. We are a patient people. And we are people made in the image of Jesus Christ. Perfectly in his image. Galatians 2.20 says that. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. Now, where is... You know, it's a circle, right? God says, you are patient. Therefore, when you believe it, you will be patient. And when you are patient... You can agree that God has said that you are patient because you are being patient because you believe he said you're patient. And it's in the believing what God has said that his word comes to have supernatural power in this world. Because those who continue in his word shall be his disciples. And they shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free into the capacity to keep on keeping on in that word to be his disciples. John chapter 8 verses uh, round about chapter uh, verse 30 and onwards, 30 to 33 round about. So it's in believing his word that his word is given supernatural power to be carried out in our life. I believe it's Psalm 107 that says that the angels of God carry forth the word to bring healing. It is the angels of God that take the word when we speak it out and when we believe it and they cause it to produce results in this world. That is what prayer is as well. When we pray according to the word of God, anything we ask for is done in his name. Because we release it, the angels carry it forth and it's accomplished. Whether or not you need to believe that specific thing about the angels isn't really that relevant. Your theology on how prayer comes about doesn't really matter as long as you believe that the things you ask for in his name are done. But anyway, it's just a... Uh, it just seems, it seems obvious to me that you first have to be in disobedience in order to be cleansed into a state of righteousness. And yet we, we are basically preaching that we need to be made righteous before we even come to Jesus. And that doesn't make sense. We're saying that we have to be righteous before we can even believe that God has said he has made us righteous. And that's just not true. And I'm not saying to, to go and intentionally sin to get away with it or anything like that. It's just, that's bloody madness, man. But I'm saying that the mindset of condemnation doesn't make sense in, in any way. Because if we are already fulfilling what God has said, then where is the faith required to lay hold of the promises? Anyway... I just heard a super loud thud from upstairs, so I'm going to go check out what it is in Jesus' name.